Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. All right, everybody. I have Courtney Gray on today. Very excited because uh, she's another professional shooter, uh, female firearms instructor, kind of badass. She's a welder, an outdoors woman, um, and we're going to get into all of that. So Courtney, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks, Kenzie, for having me. I'm excited. Me too. And there's not many of us um, three gunners, diehard three gun gals, <laughs> I would say. There are not. There's only a, at best a couple handfuls. Yeah. So yeah. It's always always nice and the nice to hang out and chat with with gals that are doing the same stuff that I am and experience the same ups and downs and sideways and all those types of things. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to start off with a little bit of like where you're from. Tell me about you know how you grew up and if you know firearms were part of your childhood. Um, so I was born into a military family. My dad was in the Air Force when I was born. He was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and then my mom decided she wanted to move back to Colorado when he was, was discharged. Um, and so she said, I'm going to Colorado. Are you coming? And he's like, well, you have my kids. So yes, I'm coming. Um, and so we ended up here when I was seven months old. So, um, I tell people all the time, I'm not a Colorado native, but I got here as quick as I could. I like that. So were they pretty gun friendly? Um, I think my folks were mostly indifferent to guns. Um, they weren't against them. They weren't for them. They just weren't a part of my actual experience as a child. Um, but then, you know, in scouting endeavors and, you know, hanging out with some of my other friends, I got to shoot some, you know, 22 rifles and some, some bows. And, um, then eventually I got to shoot, I think some of these little 22 rough rider revolver or something. I don't remember what it was. Um, and then it was not really until, I was an adult um, and I was, I was four wheeling and you get a bunch of a Jeep guys around and some whiskey flowing and it's only a matter of time before whiskey comes out or before, before the firearms come out. Um, and so that was my first very dangerous intro to um, firearms as an adult. Um, Cause yeah, you should totally be drunk and in the dark when you're handling firearms. Um, and all these guys like bring them out. They're loaded. They're not, in the, they're not even in a holster. They're just like here. And I'm like, okay. Yay. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't really until um, like I bought my first, my first firearm that I, that I wanted to keep for a long time. I bought one when I was like 22, okay. held on to it for a while. Um, didn't really ever shoot it because I was mostly afraid of it, didn't know what to do with it. Um, And I also didn't really know where to go. So it just sat in my toolbox locked up all the time. Um, And so, you know, fast forward almost two decades uh, and decided that I just, I wanted to have a handgun. Um, Being in a lesbian relationship, there's some of that that is a a matter of safety. So my very first gun was a, a Walther PPQ. Yeah, um, I I am a Walther girl through and through. I have there's 
couple of them around here. So um, I, I love my Walters. They just fit my hand. For the very first time I shot one, um, I just fell in love with the ergonomics and, and all that sort of thing. Same. I had Q5 CCP, I have PPK, and I have the PDP. I haven't, I haven't picked up the P PDP yet. I still own the, the original PPQ. Um, I've got the, the PPQ um, match polymer frame. And then this one's the steel frame behind me. PPS, PPK, PPKS. Um, I had, well, I had two P of the brand new PPKSs, but um, gave the other one to my best friend. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry I distracted you, but I am totally a Walter fanatic. Oh yeah. Um, and that's what, it, funny enough, that's what keeps me from kind of transitioning into a different weapons platform. Um, because I have like 12, <laughs> no, I have 19 Walther magazines with some sort of Taylor Freelance base pad on them. Um, so to think about going to a different platform and replacing all of that seems like a lot. Um, and so that's what I, I, I haven't done it yet. Um, I've, I'm still considering it. I'm still con thinking about campaigning a, a 2011 and 2022, um, which I, I know you want to, you want me to do bad, but I just, we'll, we'll see. I'm also looking at a, a particular shotgun. So yeah, priorities. I get that. I, um, I had someone interview me actually on a podcast. They're like, what would you have done sooner? And I was like, hands down, I would have bought a 2011 to start with. <laughs> I think I would have, I don't think I would have had the confidence to compete with a 2011. Um, and I also probably wouldn't have bought a 2011 as my first gun. No, but maybe, I would probably want to switch. Like the, yeah, the trigger is not for first time shooters. Learning the safety mechanism is not for first time shooters. Mm -mm that <laughs> yeah um so we'll, we'll see i've got a couple of things i was talking to mike stoker the other morning and i don't know why he answered his instagrams at 7 a.m his time but um thanks mike for doing that um and we were we were talking some some 2011s and of course he's trying to to give me to buy a an atlas because that's his that, that's his job <laughs> get it <laughs> he's never offline like he is but he isn't so same <laughs> yeah I was really surprised because I was just writing it up like, oh, he'll reply later. Yep. Nope. nope. Seven, seven o'clock his time. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you go back to shooting and stuff, um, kind of what's interesting is sometimes females tell me their first experience and it's like, yeah, I shot a 12 gauge and I hated it. And now I never want to shoot again. Right. There can be like a turnoff to some of that. So, you know, for your experience, I'm surprised you kind of came back <laughs> to firearms. Um. I, I think because there was never an accident, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't ever scared. Like I didn't know, I didn't know a lot about them. So I was always very, very cautious and knew like, keep your booger hook off the bang switch. Like, like don't, don't touch that part of the gun until you're ready. Um, I knew that part, but it was, for me, it was just, I wanted a, a peace of mind. Um, and then from there, you know, people were like, yeah, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about um, competing? And I was like, no, not once. I love it. So you're, you were kind of like a naturally good shot then starting out. I'm, I must've been, um, I mean, I, I, I rarely missed paper at seven yards, which 
now I feel is pretty hard to do. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I've always been into um, aiming sports activities, whatever you want to call it. So in, in high school, I was in the bowling. Um, I joined a dart league for a while. Um, so there's just always been a lot of um, hand-eye coordination type of stuff. And then anything that can be raced, I'll race it. Yeah, I agree. Um, if it's cars, I've raced them. Um, you know, it's, it, rock crawlers, even though it's not really a race platform, race that too. Um, never raced motorcycles, but it came close a couple of times. Raced mountain bikes, um, raced skis, but never snowboard. Um, even though I've been invited to, to compete in snowboard competitions, I'm like, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> I think I want to do uh, lawnmower racing. Like I've seen that be a thing. Yes. Yes. I have a donor right there okay. on the other side of that wall. Gotta it, go. It's, it's already got flames. You told me that. I remember when you saw my stories, I have two lawnmowers. I'm like, I swear to God, if I come out there, I'm trailering that sucker back. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a Hayabusa engine on it and let's go. Those videos are amazing on, on the internet. I'm like, this is my people. I, I would die. I would, I would be one of those guys that like does the backflip on into his, to his head. And then I just don't wake up. I would have to have full hockey gear or crash dummy gear, like all of it. So I know. Yeah. That. And a roll bar. <laughs> Age. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Oh man. Okay. Thinking back to 22 years old, right. It was when you bought your, your first gun right? Um, that's when I acquired my first gun. Okay. Um, and then I bought my first one when I was like 38 or 39. Okay. So when did you end up actually, you know, pursuing, pursuing your concealed carry permit? Um, as soon as I was comfortable with that gun, which is about six or eight weeks later. Okay. Um, because that, that was the reason that I that I purchased it to begin with not you know when you're when you're a size eight not the best conceal carry option on the planet <laughs> um I didn't know that um and so I, I carry it in the small of my back all the time because my back is kind of naturally arched and so that was the only place that I could carry it where it wasn't completely obvious that I just had a gun on me yeah um because anywhere else that I tried to do it it just printed as a gun yeah. all the time so I was like, that. okay. With her competition rig, she's got this weird hip bones. She's got to move it towards the back of her. And appendix is the only thing that works for her, right? So we all are very mm -hmm. in how we carry. Yeah. And I, I carry a couple different ways. I'll, I'll carry appendix either with this, um, this style holster um, from Long Shadow, or I just picked up this um, six, 365 uh, X. Um, and this is more for outside the, the waistband. Um, but comfort concealment also makes one where it'll, it sort of rides right here, which is kind of nice when you got some of those summer clothes on. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, I almost always carry appendix though. Yeah. Is the comfort concealment thing you're talking about that like belt almost, that's not a belt? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I really want to try that. I saw that. So I'm going to buy one of those soon and check that out. Yeah. Check it out. I, um, I learned about it from, um, Lena like a month ago. Okay. Um, out in Grand in Grand Junction, she was sh showing it to us, and I was like, "That looks like a good idea." So I went bought one. That's so cool. Yeah, I've been trying. Yeah. The, uh, um, 
then the new like t-rex arms has the cool dowel that you can take out and change like whatever you're gonna have next to your gun which is pretty cool and then of course the comfort concealment i want to try everything you know what i mean there's never like there's more innovation to be had i think in that area oh yeah i'll try anything twice (laughs) once to find out twice to make sure that is true though okay of shooting for real right like if you go to your first match gonna suck doesn't matter what it is you're gonna suck it's gonna suck you have to do at least twice (laughs) so so i'm gonna lead the segue here okay um dq'd my very first match that's my dq story three gun yeah um my very first three gun match i dq'd um i never dq'd in a pistol match prior to that even including when i like did a nose dive wasn't with this wasn't with this exact scene um, Q5 because I broke it. Um, but I went muzzle first, like feet up in the air, muzzle first into the concrete, um, and actually broke the frame. Um, I shot three more matches with a broken frame before I realized exactly what was going on. So, so like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that's my first DQ story. It was, uh, when I, when I got up from a, a position on a spool, got a brand new scope, right? It's all stiff come out of that position, come up, I'm bringing the, the gun up as I'm cranking that over. And as it does it, it sort of twists the gun in my grip a little bit. And as I come up and I bring it to my shoulder, I sort of choke up on the grip um, right as I'm entering the trigger guard. And that, that, that guy, that guy's he was a little sensitive that day. It happens. Put one right, put one right into the ground, right below the target. Oh. I'm like, and I, I shot four more shots before the RO was like, uh, stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I can't, I, I can't lie about the, these kinds of things. So they're like, well, did you mean to shoot that? And I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't. It happens. It they happens. Happen yeah. A second to catch up, but they know. They know. Yeah. They're like, that didn't seem quite right. <laughs> glad you stuck with it because that's a big thing um oh yeah and then you started you said pistol matches so did you start in like usbsa or steel challenge or what was the first i started in idpa okay um and did that for i think just about two years um and just decided that it wasn't my jam um for a lot of people they really enjoy it um there were some rules that didn't necessarily make sense to me. I think they've maybe changed some of those rules since I've since I'm played in that sport. Um, but I went back last season and shot another match just for fun. I was like, ah, it'll be a good tune-up. And there was this nice little array of, I could see all the headshots from one position. And I was like, sweet, boom, 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 done. Load, show clear. They're like, down one, down one, down one, down. Ah, oh, two in the head. Awesome, cool. Dang. Oh yeah. They're all a, a zone headshots, but that's not enough. No, no, it's three gun. I, what I don't like is the tack reload. If I'm out of ammo, I'm dropping the mag. If I'm in like a life or death situation, I'm not trying to pick up that empty magazine for any reason. I'm not. Yeah, that was sort of that was one of those that bugged me too because like just because I can count my rounds. Like okay, I can I can see the the safety aspect of being inside of a range dropping ammunition on concrete. Okay, I can see that, 
But if I'm dropping an empty magazine because I still have one in the chamber and I can stab that on the, on the go and keep going, I don't see why that's a that's a rule violation. But it is and yeah, part of the game. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but I did I did hear that they changed some of that. Yeah. Um, shot a couple of USPSA matches um, and it was somewhere in there and I don't know whether I was at an IDPA match or if I was at a um, USPSA match, but somebody was like, yeah, we're pretty high energy and you don't know, really sit still very well. Like you'd really like three gun. And I'm like, three what? Um, and I'd never heard of three gun before. No idea what it was. Got home, looked it up on YouTube. Four hours of my life later that I didn't realize that I lost. Um, I'm like, how do I find three gun matches around here? Um, I didn't have a, sh I didn't have a shotgun. Um, and I'd only shot an AR twice. Um, didn't own my own AR. Um, but Rachel, my, my wife, I had bought her a Stoger um, M3000 for Christmas because she, she likes shooting trap. And so I was like, that'd be great. And I was like, so can I borrow your shotgun for a little while? I gave you. <laughs> um, that didn't really work because now it's just my shotgun. Um, so I still owe her a shotgun, I think. Years later. <laughs> yeah, like five, almost five years later, I, I owe her a shotgun. Oh. Um, but she does own the most expensive gun in the safe. So, you know. She won. Yeah. <laughs> she In the end, she won. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think I, I bought my AR, well, I, I know what day it was. Um, I bought my AR the end of January, um, had the shotgun, got some practice in, and I think I shot my first match in March. Was the shotgun worked over by any chance or was it stock? Bone stock. Same. So I shot first time five round capacity, Stoker M3000, no work to it. Just trying to load one at a time in there. It was great. Yeah. Um, quad, quad loading was one of those, like after that first match, I was like, okay, tell me about, tell me about this quad loading thing. Like what, how does this work? So I went home. Um, I watched a bunch of videos on opening up that port um, and being a metal worker. It wasn't something that was intimidated for me to do myself. Um, a lot of people will just get in there with a Dremel and, and do all that sort of thing. Um, I got a die grinder with an aluminum flute. Went, yeah. We made short work of it. Um, and so, but I'm trying to practice wide loading and I'm not getting it. And I have larger hands and I'm just upset and I'm pissed off. And so finally I decided I'm gonna start drinking because um, I've had it. I'm not, I can't deal with this anymore. And so I pour myself a glass of whiskey and I'm using Fioki dummy loads, trying to get it yard sailing shells everywhere, lots of cussing. Um, Rachel left the room. She was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, and after the second glass of whiskey, and it went in and I was like, oh, what just happened? So I grabbed another four shells and I was like, and I was like, oh my God, ever since then I've had it. So there's your friendly tip friends, drink while you learn how to quad load, it makes it easier. Anything you can do drunk, you can do sober. 
That's true. Maybe ish. Not not stand up and not karaoke though. <laughs> That's that, that is true. That's true. Ask me no. how I know. But <laughs> um, I don't do either one of those things. <laughs> so I think I'm covered. It's so cool though. A uh, little bit of yeah, liquid luck or liquid courage can help. So or just uh, bottle it. Don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit loose. <laughs> Having fun. <laughs> Yeah, like conceptually, I had it. I was just so stiff yeah. that I wasn't doing it. And so once I was relaxed, I was able to do it. And so, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think the technique a lot, you know, it's four shells, dude. You're good. Two yeah, and and I have acrylic nails. Like, I, 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 I have dudes all the time. That, well, I'll tell you about that story in a second. But I have dudes all the time that say, oh, I, I can't quad load. Their hands are bigger than mine. I'm like, you could like load six, dude. Like, you have huge hands. If I can do it with nails, you can certainly do it. True. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> so what's this, the fingernail story? Um, so um, I don't know if you know Ursula Williams. Yeah. Um, 308. So she, yeah, Ursula 308. Um, she and Cindy Coker, uh, CZ Cinder, um, the three of us were going to go to Greece for an international shotgun shoot last June, um, which I was so excited about. All of us were excited about. Ursula and I were doing like morning, well, it's her night because she works overnights, um, morning quad load competitions um, on FaceTime. We're just like, all right, go. And just seeing, pushing each other every morning, um, making fun of her. Usually I just ended up laughing um, and not actually getting as much practice in as I should, but we definitely started to dial those times down a little bit. And I had started, I, right now I quad load strong hand, but I'd started doing, um, weak hand as well. Um, but then when they, when it got canceled, I threw my sucker in the dirt and yeah. was fine until the day of, and then I cried when I couldn't be in Greece shooting. <laughs> you put acrylic nails on, did that help push the shells in? No, I was splitting my thumbnail up the middle, okay. like almost all the way up to the cuticle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was ha- happening on this thumb and my index finger. Um, and so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to end up bleeding all over the place. So we'll just make this harder to, to, make, to happen. So I like it. That's smart. You almost need a super. It was, it was preventive maintenance, <laughs> basically, <laughs> is what it was. how how do I stop from leaking yeah absolutely so going back to like starting an IDPA that probably really helps like your concealed carry draw and getting comfortable with that gun right that's what you use to shoot with not my concealed carry draw okay actually um because I didn't carry it in a concealed manner uh a lot of those competitors do and if I were going to go back and play in that sport again I would Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just doing a regular holster with my little fishing vest on. Um, I mean, I can clear a fishing vest with my thumb like nobody's business. But um, what it what it did for me and and why I encourage pe- people to go and do either USPSA or IDPA from the onset if they think they want to compete in shooting sports in general uh, is the rule sets more or less crossover. The basic safety rule sets crossover. Now, some of the technical things as far as the target engagements and, and things like that are different, um, but the safety, you know, unload, show clear, load, neck ready, all those types of things, it's good to get in those habits first 
um, before you have like before you come to the line with an arm full of gear um, and a half-assed plan that you're going to forget in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, so it, I, I found it a really valuable um, entry to three gun um, and not needing to relearn or or learn those things while I'm trying to um, learn how to shoot an AR and learn how to shoot a shotgun and all that sort of thing. So yeah, so yeah. It's, so what do you like regret maybe not doing or knowing sooner, like when you were starting out shooting or even when you're transitioning three gun, like what would you have done differently back then? Um, I'd have taken a specific course on each platform. Yeah. Um, I'd have taken a pistol course, shotgun course and a rifle course. Um, and then probably then gone into a class like I did with Joe Farewell um, that, that's in integrating everything. Um, but, but getting the, the minutia of each of those down would have been, I, I'd be much farther ahead now yeah. um, because I definitely spent the entirety of that first season and a lot of the second season just trying to figure out my gear. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, and know like all of the things on ARs that you need to know, like holdovers on close targets so you don't hit the no shoot all the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was just, you know, I, I would definitely want to learn more about each platform before I, I, I really got going. Yeah, it's interesting. You took Joe's class. I want to take one of his. I took uh, Joel Turner's way late in the game for me, too. And he actually noticed that, like, the weekend loading a shotgun that's, you know, 14 rounds long, too, it was limiting my movement. And it's so heavy, it's kind of pulling my arm down. Plus, it's easier mm. on the 180 when you have this massive stick, right? When he switched me to strong hand, like everything clicked in place. That would have cut my learning curve for two years. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. So yeah, totally. Definitely. Class. That was helpful. Yeah. Um, okay, diving into three again too, I was curious. Did you go by yourself to that competition? Um, not 100% by myself. Um, my wife, Rachel, came with me. Okay. Um, but other than that, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So you had no mentor, no coach, no advice, just. No, <laughs> none. I'm just like, I saw a YouTube video and I'm like, oh, I'll go do that. Uh, and bought some crap and some bullets and went to the range. Um, it was a bummer that I, that I DQ'd my first match, but fortunately I think it was like the second to last stage. So um, I didn't miss like the whole day, Oh yeah. Um, but it was definitely one of those like humbling moments. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Got it. Got it. Got to pay attention. A um, and, and I questioned myself, but I think like a lot of us do after you, after you DQ the first time, like, should I really be doing this? Mm -hmm. Um, and I still take my DQs very seriously. Oh yeah. Um, if something happens that, that puts someone potentially in danger, um, I'll, when I'm done, set my gear aside and I will take myself for a walk mm -hmm. and we'll have a very stern talk about, about my, my behavior yeah. <laughs> and my gun handling skills, because it's not funny. It's not, it's not, that part of it's not a game. Um, that part ends up with someone getting hurt or killed if you screw up. And so I always take those super seriously when they happen. Yeah, that's sound advice. You, you know about the Area 5 drama with USPSA? I don't. Oof. Well, I 
Well, I'll rehash a little bit of it. So um, the squad, I guess, behind us, uh, this guy went down, had his gun pointed the wrong direction, probably is what it sounds like, but his gun went off. Um, he thinks that the safety mechanism failed and the safety was off and all that, but it shot around through the crowd. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was hit. Nobody oh, my God. Hit. Yeah. And like the way he handled it was not was not professional. It was not um, serious. Like he took a picture at Dairy Queen, you know, didn't respond well to people. And we're just like, you know, you could have like if that was me. Right. I would probably sell my stuff that I was at the range. Like I joke, like I would probably give it to my friends. I would walk away. I'd be done. I'd probably drive home. I'd probably lock myself up for a long time and think about you know, what just happened. That's horrifying. You know, even yeah, I think I, I think I, I'd have probably been like, I'm done for the season. Yes. I'm going to come back next season with some new fundamentals. Yeah. And this, these ROs at work, you know, I've had to DQ 180s, but completely flopped guns pointed at me on the ground falling, you know, what could have happened. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in the sport that people, we get complacent sometimes. I won't say we, but, or we talk for everybody, but sometimes people that are around guns so often kind of get lackadaisical about safety, right? Or we're just, we're around them so often we forget to check those four rules all the time, right? Yep. I've, I've seen it, I've seen it a bunch and I've, I've had a couple of guns put it at me when I was ROing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, at the at those local levels, it's worth just stopping those folks. And and I, I think this is good advice for anyone that's ROing a local. Um, DQ them unless they're just really being egregious with their with their stuff, or they're being a jerk when you actually approach them. Just do a stage DQ. Yeah. Watch them like a hawk for the night for the rest of the day. But um, you know that that can be a a a deal breaker for people in the sport is, you know, going home and, and they didn't have a good time because they, they screwed up and, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, at local levels, it's one thing, major matches, you better know what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah, you could go home in your first stage that you just spent $2,000 getting to. Um, and that sucks for you, but you're going to learn a lesson, but you know, those, those locals are, I think, is where people get to learn those mistakes in a safer environment, safer from, you know, going home and all that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's my, my opinion. That's I, all. Well, and then locals too, I've seen just locals where people let people get away with it, or there's bad habits formed. And that's really where everything that happens there, it does go up, even if people don't say it does, right? Um, right. I like those lessons. And yeah, when you're talking about the spectators that come out to major matches, the kids that come out to major matches with their parents. I mean, we've got to be anyways, I won't harp on that too much, but I, I think that was really important that you shared that perspective. Yeah. Thanks. So, um, going back to three, the world is the two years of acquiring crap. (laughs) So I gotta know (laughs) what gun and what like glass and gear did you start with? And like, what do you have now? Uh, that's funny. Um, so I started with a Stag 3GS um, and a Bushnell one to six and a half um, Elite Tactical on my on my AR. Um, no special compensator, just the comp that came with it. I didn't know you can or should swap that out, um, which made controlled pairs a little sloppy. Um, I'm like sitting here looking at the at the at the rage comp on this gun, um, which I I love them. Me too. I have one right there. 
um, because it just does so much for you. But I didn't know any of this. Um, so I started with that, started with a bone stock M3000 um, Stoger that I, I did do mods fairly quickly too. Um, when they were like, oh, you only got five rounds, like you're gonna need some more rounds. Um, and so ordered a, ordered a tube for that and the spring and all that good stuff. Um, that the gun still didn't totally run right. Um, and I've now figured them out. Like I know how to make them run not out of the box, but it's out of the box three hours with a glass of whiskey and some 3000 grit and maybe a file or two um, and a pile of parts and it's out of the box running. I need to like um, babysit both of mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we can, we, we can have a little, little FaceTime you know, knocking the corners off the Stoger. No, the shotgun. That's the one gun I can't figure out. <laughs> the um, too, but yeah. Yeah. And then I was, um, I started out with just the polymer frame Q5. Me too. Um, which I still love this gun. I mean, that that's why it's like, I don't like gold at all, but brass is heavy. Um, and so Robin at Taylor Freelance hooked me up with that and we added some weight to this to this guy and so it doesn't shoot as flat as my steel frame but pretty darn close and it's got a super cool purple holster was your color too it is my color i do oh. i do like some purple yeah so your your new rig your new guns all of that stuff has now been purpleized um a lot of it yeah i still run um mainly the the same shotgun which i don't know where i put it <laughs> that could be interesting with the house cleaners <laughs> sorry um yeah it's in the house that's fun um so now um i didn't bring the stag out um but i went my earbud this is my primary um primary three gun um from phoenix weaponry um this one i still have my old scope on um, so I run this one with, of course, the Rage, um, because that makes all the difference. Um, and then this is um, my backup gun, the lowers, uh, upper and lowers from Phoenix Weaponry as well. Um, but I really, I, I like the feel of the Odinworks handguard, um, Athlon 1-6, to which love this glass. Um, and then, you know, of course, the, the Zulu stock. Um, so that's kind of that portion of it. And then, um, and then the steel, the steel frame um, is my primary. It usually doesn't have a dot on it uh, because I'm shooting tech ops. But um, I've been shooting. I was shooting USS leagues in ladies division, and they do allow dots on certain certain pistols. It's basically two by four light in USS leagues. Um, so I have a, a dot on this one. But I love this gun. This is. A fantastic gun. I know that you didn't have as good of a experience with it, but uh, I kind of regret selling the polymer. The polymer ran like a top, right? And then I just struggled so much with steel. And I love that gun. I wanted to love that gun, but like when we talk about fit and everything, I couldn't even reach my finger to the trigger. So I would literally have trigger freeze without getting that middle safety to go back. So mm -hmm. part of it. I have big yep. issues not big enough but um that's still the best freaking steel frame gun for the price that's out there oh yeah when well, and lock makes different grips for the back of this i had to put the palm swell back or the 
um, the back palm swell back on because okay. the the thin grips were too small. Uh, but the two small ones for folks that are don't have as big of fingers is it's really a nice fit. So I even put the thin ones in the race. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. We could we could have put an Overwatch on it and that would have solved it, but we didn't know each other then. So That's true. <laughs> I try to find those for a long time. They're out of stock. But um yeah, great. It's a great thing to know like what people shoot because what's a what's the trigger that's in your rifles? Um, so I, I run a Rise um, 535 okay. um, in all of all of my competition guns. Yeah. Um, so the this PCC um, has the same same trigger that all my ARs have. Um, both my PCCs do. Um, I want all of my forward controls to feel exactly the same. So this one hasn't gotten the new safety. Um, because I don't shoot this one in competition very often, um, but all of them have the same safeties on them. Um, I use the phase five tactical remote um, bolt release, um, same trigger, so all same grip, so that everything feels exactly the same yeah. um, between each platform. Um, and I find that I find that really handy. Oh, I agree. And like for PCC, when you're shooting that, that's almost like cross training for your rifle, just with cheaper ammo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's one of the reasons that I set it up that way. <laughs> I'm going to probably make some, not make many friends, but one of these days I'm going to go start shooting some um, USPSA um, PCC matches with a one to six LVPO. <laughs> um, I'm going to show up and they're just going to be like, what is wrong with you? Um, but think of what kind of great training that's going to be for because the the rifle the entire rest of the rifles is exactly the same as my competition rifle yeah you could even have the scope for longer shots for sure and then you could have an offset red dot just like you're allowed to have you know? could but I'll, I'll probably just run it like it is i like that yeah it's good training so yeah you you get to shoot some of the cooler uh competitions in my opinion um you've got like superstition like the the cooler surefire matches out there so what all have you shot free gun wise across the country um as far as major matches are concerned i think my first like official major um was a girl in a gun fall fest okay um cindy and ursula drug me to that and ursula told me where i was going to place or else um like, like I wasn't scared, scared enough for her already at that point. Um, not scared for her anymore. Um, as long as I don't have to bail her out, that's fine. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have some pretty fun times. Um, I, probably one of my, my favorite matches that isn't considered a major anymore, but is still 100% major hard, um, is Rocky Mountain Three Gun Championships. Um, down at Raton, um, Denise and JJ are masochists. They hate us all. Um, and so they'll set up some of those impossible scenarios or, you know, uh, a, a target that's right behind a rock right here so that if you don't stop exactly at 179 and shoot that target, you're either going to miss it or break the 180 and go home. Um, so you got to be careful. Um, with some of the stuff that they do. Um, Texas Three Gun Championships is, is probably 
permanently on my list um, of matches to shoot every year. Um, Reveille Peak is just such a huge property and every year they offer something a little bit different. Um, last year they offered rain. That was great. I was going to say you shot in the torrential downpour. <laughs> I've shot in more matches wet this year than I have dry, um, which is really kind of odd considering I live in a highland desert. <laughs> but I, I went to the Wyoming Governor's Cup um, and getting all my gear together and literally took my muck boots and I'm like I'm going to a higher desert I don't need those oops yeah definitely need those yeah I saw the flood um yeah it was awful um yeah it was, it was bad um so yeah that uh, you know governor's cup is is fun surefire's fun um you know, the, the USS Leagues, I like the way that they set up their, um, a lot of their stages um, and where they have them is awesome. Um, Surefire's out at the Cameo Shooting Center, which is in Grand Junction, Colorado, about three and a half hours west of me. And that's, that shooting facility isn't, isn't the best in the country yet, but it's only half done. Ooh, okay, cool. Um, it will be one of the, one of, if not the premier um, shooting facility in the country when it's done. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's incredible. And uh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy that, that is the range master, but he he's a visionary. He's a shooter himself, awesome. a competitive shooter. Um, and like he's doing stuff like having people base jump, land in a 10 ring. And so you get points for that. And then when you land, you have to shoot. Um, he commissioned Lanny Barnes to come do and design a bike athlon course. Uh -uh. So instead of skis, after you shoot, you jump on your mountain bike, you do a single track loop, you come back, you shoot, same thing over and over again. So he's just doing some very revolutionary stuff. And it, it still makes me like, I got goose, goosebumps thinking about it, but um, up on the rock. So it's all sandstone cliffs all around you. So up on the rocks in the morning of, major matches they'll have a band up there and they'll play the national anthem Jimi Hendrix style with an electric guitar and it's just like oh I'm still getting goosebumps it's amazing sport too is when you sing the national anthem or or yeah and have that at the begin because the Pledge of Allegiance like all of that is huge for us that's why we have our yeah. fireworks yeah well in the AMU guys like literally stopped in their tracks like one guy was on the way to on the way to the bathroom stopped in his tracks and just stood at attention at, at salute the entire time um and you're watching that guy and the flags in the background it's like i'm surprised i could shoot yeah. <laughs> i was like i got the america feels sure you've heard mike dell sing oh see mike dell has the most wonderful voice Yep, you're not. He is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I thoroughly enjoy hearing Mike sing. Yeah. So cool. So, yeah, our sport is awesome. Um, yeah. I was gonna say, um, go I'm trying to think what other majors I've been able to shoot. I was supposed to do Blue Lion this year, which I was bummed that I didn't get to come and, and hang out with you. Um, some family stuff kind of got in the way of that. Um, Mystery Mountain is is definitely a, a fun and interesting match it's a little bit different their rule sets a little bit different so you know 
since we don't have a unified rule set, it's super important that we all make sure that we know what the rules are because um, you can go home pretty quickly that way if you're not aware of it. So like, I'll, I'll take my, I have my, all my holsters set up on, a, on an ELS. And so I'll just unclip it and put it in my gun bag or put it in the back of the Jeep or whatever. Um, but that'll get you sent home at a USPSA match. Yeah. So it's sure. always good, good to know what you can and can't do where. Yeah, and even range rules, like not competition ones, but governing body of the range too. So that's yep, huge. Absolutely. So going back to all these, these uh, like matches, I'm curious, two questions. What are your okay. favorite uh, stages to shoot? And then what's your strongest firearm out of the three? Not my rifle. Um, my favorite, my favorite matches, I think, or the favorite stages to shoot um, are ones that definitely include a gully run. Okay. Um, so open terrain, I think, is is my favorite just generally. Um, and part of that, it's just different from what you normally see. Um, we're really lucky here in in Colorado, and especially on the front range and what we mean by the front range is everything east of the mountains. Right. Um, so, so we're just on the east side of the, of the mountains, but you know, within two hours, two and a half hours of my house, um, I can shoot three gun every weekend. What? Um, we have matches every single weekend. Um, and that's just three gun. You want to shoot, shoot USPSA, you could probably shoot a USPSA match on one day or an IDPA match and then shoot th three gun the other way or vice versa. Um, but yeah, every weekend you can shoot a match here. That's badass. See, we have three um, sometimes, like we'll have one or two a month, but every, mm, like that's the hot every, Yeah, every single weekend. Um, so we've got um, NOCO Shooting Sports um, puts one on, uh, Weld County Fish and Wildlife put, um, puts one on, uh, Big Ben Three Gun um, puts one on down on the south end of the metro Denver area. Um, Soco, which is down in Colorado Springs, and then Pueblo, um, which is about two and a half hours south of here. Um, every single weekend, you can you can be pulling triggers. And that's not a, a long drive. Like when people listen to this podcast, it's funny, and they send me a message like, "Wait, you guys drive that far?" And I'm like, "That far? That's close." <laughs> like, you know. um, my my rule of thumb. So I we bought a camper this year so that I could. I don't like as a single woman walking into a hotel with that much crap in my hands. Um, for one, I have too much crap in my hands. I can't defend myself well, even though I have lots of guns, only one is loaded and I can't reach it right now. Um, so I don't like that aspect. Um, I don't like being the girl in the hotel with all the guns um, because people notice that. Um, so we, we picked up a camper. So now kind of my rule of thumb is if it's, if it's longer than 11 hours, I'll fly. Um, but if it's under 11, if it's 11 hours towing, I'll drive. Cool. I like it. Um, just because it's, it's easy when all your, all your stuff's in one spot and uh, most time you can camp on the range. And so I, I like doing it because wait till everybody else walks stages and then I'll, you know, eat my dinner and go walk, walk stages and see what, what's going on and take, take more notes and do that sort of thing. So cool. I gotta ask, what truck do you have or vehicle do you have that pulls that? Um, I have a 2017 Jeep Jeep Grand Cherokee Trailhawk. 
cool. So that has the towing capacity to pull a camper or is it smaller or pop up or? It, it has a Hemi. Okay. Um, and no, it's um, our camper's 20 foot long. It's huge. Um, and weighs about 5,000 pounds loaded. Okay. Um, but with it having a Hemi in it, uh, I think tow rating on the Jeep is 7950. That's amazing. Something like that. I'd have um, to. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there, there are some great little campers out there that your truck will absolutely pull. Uh, that's, my, that's my singular complaint about Toyota Foreigners and Tacomas is they're underpowered. I know. They're amazing. They're amazing trucks other than that. Yeah. One day I do want to be the camper. I think that as much as I travel and love to travel and can stay in one place and work. I, that's the dream. You know, so many people two and three gun have done that. There's a lot of mm -hmm. us that have campers and the ranges that facilitate that are incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even then, like a lot of times I, I'll stay in a state, a state campground. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Cause you get a state pass and it's not that much per night and I have hookups or whatever. Oh. Um, but I've also made it so that I can boondock and you know, I bring two generators. So if it's hot on the range, I can still run my AC and do all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a luxury, um, that I have grown to grown to like quite a bit. You can't go back now. <laughs> I can't go back now. Love it. So, and besides I end up getting into shenanigans with like Taylor and some of these other people at, at the range, cause we're all camping. I miss that the the latest invasion in Atlanta. Yeah, everyone bring the campers, and we just pretty much have the fire in the middle of all of the campers, and that's where the food's at. So. Yeah, we tried to do that up in Wyoming. We just ended up with a lake. Yeah, it was a little bit too much. You could swim, <laughs> or Taylor's got her um, kayak. She kayaked there. There's video. <laughs> um, we we put we took it off of her car and put it in. Um, I think it was stage five. Um, we put it in stage five and she was paddling around. It's crazy to think about. People don't realize like we're not dramatizing or dramatizing this. It's real. It's real. Oh yeah. I almost lost my shoe twice. Mm. Just because the mud suctioned around my shoe so hard that I, when I went to move, I almost pulled my foot. It was painful yeah. to watch magazines being dropped too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, 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 ma that magazine got a, got a bath in the sink that night. God. I've been there, been there though. Oh, um, yeah. I want to talk about you've got a cool jersey too. And we, of course, three gunners love our customization, our colors. So tell me about um, the jersey and the companies that you work with. Okay. Hi, right here. Um, so my jersey um, is Rosie. The, can you see this? Okay. Um, is Rosie the Riveter. Um, and part of that is it's kind of a, multi-part thing. Um, I was a welder for forever and obviously, you know, riveting things together and, and all the, everything that went on during World War II. Um, that was when specifically American women started to learn like, oh, we can do stuff too. And we're actually pretty good at it. Um, and so I loved that people, that especially women were becoming aware of that. So, so that's where Rosie came in. Um, Phoenix Weaponry uh, supplies me with my rifles. Um, Athlon Optics, which are great glass. Long shadow holster. If you've not had a long shadow holster in your hand, like you should, because it's amazing. Um, Tactical RX um, is probably my longest standing sponsor of 26 years now. Wow. 
Um, Taylor Freelance, Lot Grips, um, and US Law Shield. Um, and my wife, because she's a trooper. Um, and videos all of my, all, all the matches that she can go to and puts up with my shenanigans and oh, yeah. wonders what happened to me when I went to the shop for something and I get stuck on the reloader for a couple hours. Yep. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I just thought I'd break, I'd break, you know, just bump out a couple hundred rounds real quick and then come back in. As soon as my drink's done. Yeah. Then we're done. Yep, there you go. Two hours later. Um, but yeah, the so that's that's kind of what that's about. But also, I, I really like empowering women to learn how to do all of the things. Um, Dylan Easley um, is, a, is a great three-gun shooter, um, chiropractor, genuinely good guy. Um, over last, over the, during the pandemic, um, he taught me how to build rifles. So over cool. Instagram. Um, you know, I have mechanical aptitude from, from my background anyway, but um, I built I built this rifle. I built both of these rifles. I built my other PCC. Um, rebuilt my stag completely. Built another gun that I sold. Um, so yeah, I've built a lot of rifles in the last year it's the best um, but once you but once you learn how to build them it's it's great because when something breaks you know almost exactly immediately what it is um and it, after stuff breaks long enough you know what to, what spare parts to carry yes yes um that that aren't just going to show up in somebody's you know little little parts bag somewhere like i carry a, a trigger and a bolt carrier group um, and that's not something everyone carries, but I carry that even to major matches. Yeah, Obsidian Arms gave us, um, gosh, I can't remember which match, I still have it, but like a firing pin set and then like an oh shit kit. Um, yeah, you've got to have extra bolt. <laughs> bolt carry groups huge. I also travel with charging handles. I don't know why, but I break a lot of them. <laughs> that's a good one. I've never broken a charging handle. Oh yeah. Three but in a you, row, PCC you, rifle, doesn't matter. Maybe you should Hulk smash a little less. I'm breaking. I switched to Raptor. So far, so good. Um, you know when you sling something. I, I do. I do love my 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 Raptor. Yep. And when you sling that, it doesn't hurt. Like it doesn't pinch into your back because the oversized ones can really do that. Sure, Jan. <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> I. It still jams into my back. It's either that or the throw, throw lever. I'm not sure which, but oh. either way, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel nice. It could be the throw lever. I didn't think about that. <laughs> but it's all, I've also got skinny bitch problems. So tough. I got I bony. Bony. Awesome. So going back to those companies too that work with you, um, can you share a little bit about like how they support not just the shooting sports, but you and the, and the Second Amendment as well? Um, all of them obviously are, are pro 2A. Um, what I like about my sponsors is what they're concerned with first and foremost is that we're representing them well. Um, and that's pretty universal through almost 
all of them. Um, they, it's, it's always nice if you come in, you know, top five, whatever, um, but that's not exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for like a, at a situation where I had a squad mate that had to reshoot um, and G9 is, is my ammo sponsor. And he's like, um, I don't have any more rifle ammo. And so I just handed him a mag, a full loaded mag and said, here, shoot. He got done. He's like, okay, give me your, give me your contact info. And I'm like, nope, that's confidence of G9. Like those aren't my bullets. Those are bullets they gave me to shoot. So if it allows you to shoot the rest of the day, then we're good. Um, and so that's, that's what they expect from, from me. Part of what I really like about it is all of them are passionate about supporting women in the shooting sports, um, which is obviously super important to me. Um, but it's also, I've seen a lot of ladies go to some of these companies because they do sponsor me. Um, and so they'll, they'll come back around to those companies and be like, yeah, you know, it's really cool that you're actually supporting, um, supporting women, but also you know, I've, I've got a couple of sponsors that specifically they're like, we actually really like the fact that you're LGBT and that we want to include that. Um, and then we support that, which I think is really rad. Um, okay. Not not all the companies in our in our community are, are willing to do that. Uh, but I also think it's maybe a little bit short-sighted. Yep, I agree. That's a growing demographic, which I know we are going to talk about that too, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, um, but um, what I expect of them is I don't I don't ever want to hear I don't ever want to get a call from someone who chose to purchase their products and had a bad experience. Yeah. Um, I will be just as quick to look and reevaluate that particular agreement um, if I hear that um, because you know they want me to reflect well on them. I expect the same in return. Um, that, that that needs you know the customer service needs to be on point you know product delivery even if it's tardy like we all know especially in the last year year and a half everything's tardy um the reason that that gun just got finished this last weekend is because the bolt carrier group that i ordered in february um just arrived um and it's just supply chain sucks right now but if you stay communicating with with folks and saying i'm sorry but this is what's going on most people will understand in, in my experience. Yeah. And I will, I don't want to be too negative on this, but I just, I'm surprised sometimes at like, there's 5% of companies I feel like that are communicative in our industry. I don't know why that is. I love them. I appreciate them. They set expectations, you know, even if they are, you know, longer than we expected, but there's so few that are responsive or on top of it. You know, if you tell me, Hey, it's going to be a year. I'll be like, cool. That's all I wanted to know. Right. Is the year. Yeah. I will expect that, but you tell me two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks for a year, then it's not okay <laughs> or not at exactly. all. Exactly. Doesn't respond yeah. at that. <laughs> exactly. When I, and I think a lot of, a, a lot of these manufacturers, you know, we think of as very large companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my experience, they're just not. Yeah. They're smaller um, than you think. Families. Like yeah. way smaller than you think. Like long shadow holster is four people. Yeah, have you been in distant arms out in Texas? It's the smallest building with a ton of work. I, I haven't, but I, I can imagine. But yeah, there's there's lots of those that you know they're in small little warehouses that they've got packed full of more stuff than they can pack in there and they're making it happen. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think some of that is they're just 
they're so busy with what's going on that they're they're not taking the time to to make sure that the customer service is still is still staying top notch. I agree. My companies that are all my back are the ones that are doing reflective of the same you know values that I have. And um, your my question to you too is how can we as shooters, not just sponsor shooters, shooters in general, um, add value for companies whether it's online or in person or do more for the, the companies that do support this, this amendment, you know? Um, I think keeping, keeping the word out there is, is a lot of it, but it's, you know, it's a fine line, right? Between talking about um, something that's a constitutional right um, and letting that not be a partisan issue. Um, which I feel like it, it it gets shoehorned in there like many other issues do um, to where it's, you know, one one party or another when it's not one party or another, it's for Americans. Yep, people. Um, um, and the, the companies that I that I work with realize that um, and that, that they realize that it's that it's bigger than just one subset of voters. Um, it, it's bigger than, you know, just who we traditionally think of as gun people, um, it, it's it's a lot bigger than just that group. Um, I can't tell you how many people that I know that in the last year and a half that have come to me and, and said, hey, will you teach me how to shoot? Or they've come out to me as a shooter, uh, which is a funny thing to say, but in some communities, saying that, saying that you're a, a gun-toting queer is probably, they're gonna be like, well, we we're fine with the queer part, but the gun part. Yeah. Ooh. Or we're, we're like totally great with the guns, but the, the queer the queer part. I don't get that at all. Um. So, uh, you know, all all of my my sponsors know that about me and support me, and and I I really appreciate them for that. Um. And that I think they do just by doing that, it allows me to have better conversations with their potential clientele yeah um because if they know that you know they're going to go and have a positive experience with people that are that are relatively open-minded um they know that they're probably going to have a good safe experience no matter what background they come from yeah actually let's go into that um so talking about like lgbtq community i don't know if i'm leaving anyone out so correct me if there's another more we, we added a plus because even there, there's there's a lot in there yeah. So I'd love for you to share like the rising number, like you're talking about of firearms owner that are in that community um, and how important it is for not just companies like we're talking about, but everyone that shoots that's representing kind of our industry to you know be inclusive of, of regardless of age and religion, sexuality and all of that. Like how share about that experience and how important that is. Sure. Um, it's it's been weird on on a lot of levels. I mean, it, it's. I, I have had to correct myself um, in my preconceived notions of who folks are and what they were gonna be all about. Because um, honestly, I wasn't super jazzed to come out and say, yeah, you know, this is my wife that's with, the, you know, everyone was just like, oh, your friend, your friend. I'm like, we stopped being friends a long time ago. <laughs> um, but once we did, like nobody cared. Um, I mean, there was probably one person that was like, 
want to go have beers when beers didn't really mean beers. Um, but that that's kind of it. I mean, no one cares. Um, at least in the three gun community, no one's ever given us crap. Um, <laughs> my friend Chad said, he's like, what? Was your why doesn't your husband ever come out here? I was like, because I don't have one, because I have a wife, because I'm gay. And he's like, oh, okay, that's that's okay. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> boys. Um, and and now they just treat me like one of the boys because you know, being being in the shop for um, you know, being in an automotive shop my entire younger life and um, being in welding shops for mo most of my adult life. You take the shop out of or the girl out of the shop. You cannot take the shop out of the girl. I'm gonna say fuck for a very long time. I love it. Um, but uh, what was what was the question again? Oh, how was how was it um, LGBT in the firearms community? I think more than anything, they're just kind of surprised the uh, the people that I come across, and then other people are just like, oh yeah, whatever. You yeah. can shoot, so you know how to handle yourself, and so you're just you're just one of us now. Um, but no one's ever given us shit. Um, I've certainly there's been more than once where there was a opportunity for some um, off colored joke or whatever that that got shot shut down. Um, but every once in a while, like I'll just jump in with the punchline, um, and that and then they're like, ah! um, but it's it was in interesting too like I have a couple of people like when I first started competing and started putting that on social media I lost friends yeah um but I lost friends when I came as gay too so um you know people are just people pretty isolated in their own little narrative in their own little world um and don't really know or think to ask questions about about all this stuff and that's really all it is, is just learning about other people yeah. Um, we all are looking for the same thing, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Why shouldn't that be available to everyone, including the ability to protect ourselves or just go recreate how we would like to? Yeah. Um, because I don't want to have to ever shoot somebody, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will, yeah. but I don't want to because um, that's not something I want on my conscience. You know, people talk a lot about home security and they're like, Oh, if someone breaks into my house and steals my TV, I'm going to blow them back out the front door. You want my TV? Take my TV. Yeah. Your life is not worth my $1,000 deductible. No, no. <laughs> it's just not. The guilt on my conscience isn't worth my $1,000 deductible. Now, you come past a certain point in my house, that's not going to end well for you. But if you want my TV, just take it. Go away. So Just get out of my house before something bad happens. Yeah. Um, you mentioned welding. I know you have some pretty neat skills. So people don't know this. You're a welder of 16 years before retiring. Um, and I gotta know, how did you get into welding? Like, did you go to school for that or did someone teach you? Um, I did go to school for it much to my parents' chagrin. Um, so in high school, I think it was, a, uh, it was I know it was a, I was a sophomore in high school, in high school. And, um, I had to pick an elective. So I'm going through the school catalog, trying to figure out, okay, what am I gonna, what am I gonna do? And there was metal shop and I was like, what's up metal shop? I don't know anything about metal. I know how to wrench on stuff because my dad taught me how to do that stuff, but I don't know how to weld or anything. That'd be kind of cool. So I signed up for that, went home. My parents were like, no, 
you're a horrible student. You're signing up for speed writing and note-taking class. Ooh. And I'm like, that's some bullshit, but okay. Signed up for speed writing and note-taking class along with two other kids. So they canceled the class. Yes. <laughs> My backup was metal shop. Um, I got done with that semester's curriculum in about six weeks. Wow. Um, and then the next semester, I got done with the entire semester's curriculum in two weeks. How? Um, I just, metal speaks to me. Um, I just understood it. I understood how it worked. I understood how it moved. I understood how it melted. Um, I got it. Like as soon as I got my hands on it, I was just like, okay, I, I can do this. Uh, and then at the end of the of that semester, um, the instructor who was also the football coach, so everybody called him coach, um, hands me a brochure for the local um, vocational technical school and says, you need to go to Warren Tech. If you sign up for my class again next semester, I'm failing you. And I'm like, coach, what the fuck? Like, I'm literally been your, your student aide like all year, been a golden child. And now you're gonna like, you're gonna actually fail me if I sign up for your class. He's like, you know more about welding than I do. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't have anything else to teach you. Yeah. So you need to go somewhere that does, um, which was awesome. Um, cause then I went into that and the rest of it just spoke to me as well. Um, and so I became a certified welder, I think my second semester of welding school. Wow. That's so um, it's been an invaluable skill. I mean, it, you know, it, it, the time that I entered the market, it was right about the time when a lot of robotic welding started. So we were promised a very good wage, which I did my homework was there. But over that two-year time span when I was in school, the, the welding market definitely went down. So I never made a, an amazing living at doing it, um, but I've never wanted for a job. That's cool. Yeah. And then um, at home too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I did that for a number of years too. I, um, I did some, um, I call it functional art. Um, so more furniture and things like that um, based on found design. Um, I have a coffee table that's made out of just push rods from internal combustion engines um, that holds up a glass top. Um, that was that was a hard one to do. Uh, uh, all kinds of stuff around our house, you know, just you know whatever needed needed doing or and sold a few pieces. Our local um, gun range over here, 5280 Armory. Um, I they they didn't have any way to get like a bobcat or anything in to get all the rubber out of the end of the range okay. so they were having to do it with wheelbarrows through the main door because there was no other door out um and so they had said like oh we really want to put double doors in there and i'm like well, we can do that and like can you make it airtight and bulletproof and i'm like yeah um and so that those doors were 685 pounds each and were airtight and bulletproof I know because I shot it myself. Oh, that's a cool project. Yeah. When you get when you get done, you get it hung, everything, everything's done. You're like, okay, now now the real. <laughs> that's awesome. my, my friend that was helping out, he's like, should I go move my truck? I'm like, no, 
You're fine. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, going back to like uh, shotgun, I mean, all of that, like uh, you were also mechanics. So you've got custom work, you know, you can weld, you can work on your own stuff. Like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, we four-wheeled for a number of years and no- <laughs> nothing except for owning a Ducati motorcycle will make you a really good mechanic faster than rock crawling. <laughs> Um, because you're going to break stuff a lot and when you break what's that have you seen bruce davidson do this every day um no oh so he he did blue line he's one that set up all of those stages okay every day i see a picture of his whatever it is i can't remember but yeah his rock collar off wheeling in the shop something's broken he oh my god (laughs) every day yeah people tell tell me all the time like oh three guns so expensive and i'm like not comparing compared to having two rock crawlers that are street legal but you wouldn't want to drive them to and from moab um but we used to in general one of the jeeps would break at least a thousand to two thousand dollars worth of parts a week and the like the tires on Rachel's were um, Kevlar sidewalls. They were my cost when I was working in the industry was $575 each. That's not bad. That's not bad. For one tire? Yes, it's bad, but it's not as bad as it could be for everybody else. (laughs) No, it's still $2,200 in tires, not including the wheels. Um, So it was, yeah, that's an expensive sport. Yeah. Um, This is not nearly as much and I don't have to spend nearly the amount of time wrenching on them either so because so I'm too, too old for that shit yeah which, I, I don't I have no like mechanical incline so I'm having to force myself to learn and I have I've gotten more comfortable um but like going back to like customizing our guns you know knowing how to work on them not just for our addressing issues but like explain why you know having stock firearms is not ideal for everyone that shoots competitions, right? Like your hand size, again, is different from mine. Your trigger pull is gonna be different feeling than mine. And how important is that, you know, to customize the gun to the person? Personally, I think it's paramount. Now, once you've acquired those skills, can you pick up most guns and be very proficient with them? Yeah. Um, But if you start with something that doesn't, isn't really fitted to you properly, it's gonna take you a lot longer. Um, you'll get there eventually. Um, if you're dedicated to anything, you, you'll get there regardless of what you need to do. But having a, a firearm that actually fits you um, is really important. And, and learning that process isn't easy. And so seeking those people out um, is a really, I, I think, a really helpful thing to do. Um, you know, talk to, talk to your, you know, to the folks who make your holster and make sure that this is set up the way that you want it. Um, you know, my pistol sits a little bit farther forward than right at, at 180 on my side. Um, I have these set up for specific reasons. Um, back the, These guys that sit back here behind my pistol, I have for specific reasons. So having it kind of tailored to you, in my opinion, um, is super important. Um, and like I said before, with all of my forward controls being the same throughout all of my long guns, um, I can pick them all up and it's just 
I mean, it, we, we call it muscle memory. It's not actually muscle memory. Um, it's your it's your basal ganglia that's that's storing all that information for you. Um, basal ganglia. It, basal, yeah, so your basal ganglia is what is um, is what's responsible for habit. Um, and so the reason you can back out of your driveway without really thinking about it is because that information is stored in your basal ganglia, which is right at the base of your skull. Um, and so setting those things up to where repetition is just, it's the same. I set up, you know, setting up my, my magazine hole uh, pouches to where they're the same, but I do the same, you know, I'll, I'll do the same thing with my concealed carry mag in my back pocket. Uh, so doing all those things to customize it for you, what's comfortable, what's comfortable for you, what's going to make you not strain to do anything or that over the course of doing it, doing it for a day, isn't going to cause major strain on one thing or another. Uh, so that part of body mechanics, I think is, is super important from a customization standpoint, but also just making it so that it's easy to use. Like if you can't, if you're not hitting that mag release, um, which they actually do make an extended mag release for that pistol now because of that problem probably. Um, it, it, it's important to do those things, I think. Um, that's why I, I fell in love with Walther's to begin with is because just ergonomically, they felt right. A Glock doesn't feel right to me. Glocks are perfectly good firearms. Nothing against Glocks. They're just not my firearm. Um, so I think customizing them is important now should they all be purple maybe not why yeah why i mean red purple green all the if, colors of the rainbow at three gun i mean they should be a color yeah because black's boring. <laughs> because black's boring and fde's also boring yeah and like gray and silver i don't like all those they're just so blah i guess for me yeah. i have a i have a gray gun my stag's gray Oh, okay. Well, that's a starter one. My Daniel Defense is black. That was my starter gun, you know. Yeah. Thank Good you. starter gun, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, I lost my train of thought of what I was going to ask you. Oh, the cheek weld. That's the other thing. The biggest thing, I think, for rifle problems, like, and having struggles for me, like, trying other people's guns was that the cheek weld was not set up for me. So you and I both, we have different stocks, but ours are adjustable height-wise. Um, and, like, the pull, too, is huge for different size arms and all of that. So... I think that's my one advice with customization. That cheek weld is everything to see a good scope, you know? It is, and, and I, from observing people, I think it's one of the major reasons that people don't shoot a shotgun well. Yeah. And actually the reason that they have a lot of malfunctions with a shotgun. Yes. Um, because if you don't have a really good seat in, your, in the pocket, and, and for us ladies, I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, oh, you're supposed to do it this way or that way. Put the stock on your bra strap, curl, curl your shoulder into kind of cradle it there, and that's the pocket. There is no other pocket for us. It's like between your boob and your shoulder. <laughs> but I know if I've had a difficult day shooting with my shotgun, that if my cheek isn't kind of sore, that was the problem um, that I was not getting it, getting it cheeked hard enough, which almost always means that I didn't get it into my shoulder tight enough either, um, which that in and of itself, I've watched a couple of people have malfunctions. They'll pull the trigger, they'll come back and hit their shoulder 
and then it didn't either eject that round or didn't chamber the next round. And I'm like, it's essentially the same thing as limp wristing a pistol yeah. and it malfunctions. Um, and so, yeah, getting, getting all of those things set up, getting your eye relief on your scope, super important. Um, making sure that that eye, re eye relief works everywhere. Yeah. And by everywhere, you know, it's gonna, it, it's gonna work great here, but does it work when I'm going prone? And what magazine am I using when I'm going prone? Am, am I, you know, am I, am I trying, am I trying to go off of a single 30 round? Or with Taylor Freelance, they've got those, these cutouts that you can couple them. And so I'll run a 40 with long range ammo and then a 30, so there's two of them. And that for me, especially, I have a really long neck and a long head. And so I have to use a 40 rounder to get up high enough when I'm prone to get my neck in the right position to actually get a good sight picture. Yeah. Um, 30 rounders have caused me so much pain um, and not physical, like, because I just can't, I always get that little floating shadow. Drives me um, the, yeah, it's, it's good times. But a couple magazines on AR-15, yeah, Game Changer, a couple of them for sure, figure out what works for you. That, that at least you figured it out. <laughs> what was going on? Yeah, I mean, and that's a lot of what it is and what I like about this sport is, I, to me, and it, it, it's kind of like welding and, and fabrication and mechanics even, you're, you're never gonna know enough. Um, the learning never, ever stops. Yep. Um, I'll be, I'll be learning if I decided to shoot this for, you know, the rest of my physically able days, I, you know, I will probably have forgotten half of what I know, but that, that learning pr process is never going to go away. Um, and I love that. Like with welding, there's always something new, like learning how to weld Inconel and Monel and titanium and metal matrix and some of those kinds of things and how you have to do, I know. Nobody knows what those things are either, except for titanium. Um, but learning how to do those things and pushing yourself mentally and, and physically is is just something that's always kind of kept my juices flowing. So, I love it. And then uh, going back to shotgun too, you brought up something I think that's really important. Inertia shotguns, obviously, are driving well, not obviously, but for people that don't know, you know, it's driving on inertia. You do have to have that proper, um, you know, pocket hold because that has to run the action, right? So, mm -hmm. one of the things I see so often is just maybe finding a better shotgun for you that's a gas gun. Like that Beretta 1301 is a great shotgun. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of want one just for funsies because it's a really soft shooting gun. Gas guns typically are. But, you know, you don't always have to run inertia, you know, run what works for you um, reliably. So if that's a struggle, I recommend that gun. <laughs> yep. Um, and I, and for a good budget gun, um, a, a Stoker's a great, if you're just getting into it and you're not sure it's going to be your forever thing, that gun's always going to have another job. Yeah. Um, and, and which is sort of a philosophy that has kept me from moving to open um, <laughs> until, until recently I've begun to question this. Um, I'm, I'm more than open curious. Um, I, I haven't gone into that because of the shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Um, partially because I don't, I haven't seen, I mean, Distant makes great guns. I haven't seen one run flawlessly yet. Now there's been some that run really, really well Yeah. Um, for box fit shotguns, but 
nothing that's been flawless so far, um, but kind of kind of taking a peek at that Genesis Arms um, Gen 12. It's an AR-10 upper that goes on an AR-10 lower okay. and shoots 12 gauge. I'm like, mm, could be fun. Um, but it's also like, do I do that? Or do I buy a 2011? Or do I do both? And I just don't eat for the next nine months. That's, yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. I need either a major power factor gun or I'm going to go open. And yeah, yeah. It's like 10 grand to save up for that shotgun and that pistol, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you, how do you explain that to your wife? <laughs> or, or kids, I was going to say too, you've got kids and you've got a mom or your wife and yeah. you've got to balance all of that and financials. Like that's kind of a challenge, right? How do people do that? Um, you just have to mind your P's and Q's. Um, there's definitely, I mean, I've been invested money in this, which is uh, certainly over, especially this year, um, saved a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but also that's the only reason I'm shooting this year. Yeah. I had to learn how to reload to shoot this year, um, which was interesting. Like I had never reloaded. No one really taught me how to reload. Um, fortunately my ammo sponsor was very generous with re recipes and like when I got myself stuck I was like I don't know about this you know they would they would walk me through it um, but yeah it's you know in a year like this where even ammo companies are like yeah sorry not this year there's just nothing to be had even if we had it we it's already sold so um, so yeah um, and then just making sure that like I'll, I'll I'll turn in some of this, um, turn some of the stuff into like regular vacations. Um, so like Surefire, the last day of Surefire was on Rachel and my wedding anniversary. Um, and then a week later was Rocky Mountain Three Gun, which is down in, in New Mexico. And so I was like, well, why don't you take the week off? And even though I'm gonna be shooting on our anniversary, I'll take you out to a nice dinner, but then we'll take the camper and we'll kind of tour through um southwestern south, south central colorado uh, and then end up in in raton at the end of the week and we did that and so you know turning some of it into visits with family or um many vacations and, and things like that but i also try to do it as cheaply as i can we we, we run all of our finances through one um one specific points um sky miles points card um, and so we have points for days, um, just from paying our normal bills. Um, and I always fly on points. Um, and so that's, that's a savings. If I can, if I can stay with somebody that I know in a, in a city, uh, like when I, when I go to Austin, my cousin lives in Austin and he has a truck that he it doesn't really drive. And so I get to take his truck. Um, I stay at his house that night. I get my spot for three nights and then I come back and spend another night at his house. Um, so it's, it's things like that that would kind of balance that some of those costs out. Um, now that pandemic doesn't have me locked in my basement, just working and browsing gun parts every day, um, that also has had a positive effect on our budget um, because I don't, there's more guns I want. But to do what I do, I don't need any more guns. Yeah. Um, I want them. Yep. I don't need them. Um, so yeah. But yeah, I, I used to have a, 
a really strong opinion of like if I needed to like I can use this for self-defense or I could go hunt with it or or whatever I needed to same thing with the shotgun the pistol like they all have jobs outside of competition we might we might be getting dangerously close to but they don't have another job they just race well shotgun too have put the original grip back on put the plug in all that crap for duck but yeah <laughs> that's take the I just take the tube off. Yeah, yeah, it's just a lot of work to do that. <laughs> it is, it is, especially when you know. Sh I only, I only clean my shotgun like twice a year. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to ask you too. How for people listening, like how, how can you raise kids around firearms? How can you, you know, take that curiosity factor out of it, um, and still be safe around the house? First of all, have a safe. Yeah. <laughs> let's start with that um whether you know whether you just have a pistol safe or a, a small safe that holds your your long guns and your pistol um keeping them locked up is is important uh but also teaching them just here here they are here's how they work this is the only way that they're going to go off and don't touch that part unless someone else is around don't touch the gun at all unless someone else is around um, and you know that that's how that's how we proceeded um, and then beyond that it's like she's long out of house now my daughter um, so it's not as big of a deal anymore I mean she's she might be your age actually she's, she's tw okay she's good that makes me feel better um, she's 20 she's 25 um, you know, we we have guns around the house staged in strategic spots. Yeah. Well, when we have friends over that I know that they have kids, doesn't matter how well hidden those are or how difficult they are to get to, everything goes in the safe. Yeah. Um, and so that that's kind of how how we managed that and and continue to manage it with with smaller kids around and um, like my nephew. Um, he was a little bit too young to really handle firearms responsibly just for his maturity level at that point because i don't think there's an age um there's some kids that are amazingly responsible and they listen well at seven um and there's some that are 17 and are at the same level um not funny but it's true it's true yeah and and he uses this 17 year old is not a, not a girl um <laughs> because because all because all 17-year-old boys are like squirrel yeah what yeah exactly um so yeah just make, making sure that they're locked up but also with with my nephew we gave him one of those little salt guns um for shooting flies yeah um and you know it was pump action enough so that he wouldn't annoy us all day with it yes um because he'd get tired of pumping it um uh, but that's how we taught him muzzle discipline and trigger discipline and all of those things is you know he'd turn around and say what um and be like no and then that was it for the for the for the day um no no more salt gun for the day um so there's there's other ways that you can incorporate that that are um much less dangerous um you know, air airsoft bb guns um bb guns especially the, the ones that you have to pump are my favorite for kids because they don't want to do it for that long. Nope. <laughs> um, 
and so we, we get some fundamentals in and then they do their own thing for 20 minutes and like she makes us work <laughs> we gotta go <laughs> it's bad because my brother and i knew how to shoot growing up and and we were really good about the safety rules but man when we had airsoft pistols in the house we would totally shoot each other across the room as much as possible <laughs> we to this day it's kind of bad to this day upstairs was like our huge playroom we'd have like couches and stuff we'd hide behind my dad still finds the little circle babies like or the, the airsoft rounds yeah yeah, I, I didn't shoot airsoft until just before the pandemic. Okay. Um, and that and that's when I found out that they that um, Umarex made a, P, a Walther PPS. Yeah, I have that. In in airsoft, okay. and at the time that was my my main daily carry, um, and so I was like, sweet, I can practice all of my drills, and I don't have to go to the, I don't have to go to the range. It's awesome. And so I I still do it every couple of days. Love it. Um, just you know I've got targets set up over here, and I was. <laughs> and you know because it because everything i'd swap the sights out on it right. i spent more on the sights on that gun than i did on the gun mm-hmm. solid but it but it it needs to present like the gun i carry sure yeah uh i like what you said though my nephew's the same way we're teaching him even the plastic guns the fake guns they're they're real guns yeah so he mm-hmm. can't not even point down to people for funsies then we're not putting a live gun in his hand either so Right, right. Good. Um, so for you, wrapping this up, kind of, uh, what are your future goals that you set for yourself in 3Gun or in shooting sports in general? Um, so I have, I have some some lofty ones for this next year. I mean, that this year was supposed to be that, but like I said, I had some family stuff that, that sort of knocked that down several pegs. Um, but this, this next year, um, I've never particularly physically trained for this sport. Um, I've always, I've been a lifelong athlete, and so I've you know done all kinds of things, and, and I don't sit still, so I maintain a pretty good muscle mass. Um, but I could be in a lot better shape. Um, I can run quickly. It doesn't mean that my breathing rate is going to be good when I get there, um, and so it's. I, I want to get, I want to get stronger. I want to get my cardio better. Um, I want to have a, I, I want to have the core that I had, you know, 15 years ago um, when I was putting 46 inch tires on trucks several times a day. Um, you know, that I, I just want to be stronger in those ways. Um, it's already a benefit because, so I, I live at like 56, 5,700 feet above sea, sea level. Um, is where we live. And then we have a, a condo up in Lake Dillon, um, which is about an hour west of here. Um, the range that's up near there, um, that's at about 9,400 feet. Wow. Uh, and then I'm snowboarding anywhere from 9,500 feet all the way up to um, a little over 12,000 feet. Never been that high. Um, coming to Colorado, you get as high as you want. Okay, hold on. Um, it's semantics. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Um, but the, but I'm being physical at those altitudes. So I'm, I'm in the trees, really moving my body around and moving my core and all, all that sort of thing. So it's really, usually they're mystery mountain or, or Texas three gun is my first, you know, major of the year. (laughs) It's always fun to get, get to the end of a stage when you're in Texas and these people are just like, (gasps) 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 (gas
what <laughs> it's not fair yeah the like it's, just, <laughs> it's just a stroll um and then you get some folks that are coming up to do like um uh, you know surefire and i think surefire is at like 4400 or 4700 feet above sea level um which definitely has an impact on a lot of folks yep from florida and alabama specifically yeah my friends yep. want to go but yeah elevation was a real thing um that's interesting so lofty goals are remind me um lofty goals is i'm gonna i'm gonna get in the best shape that i've been in the last at least 15 years um by by thanksgiving i will have made my decision on whether i'm going to try to shoot open next year or not I'm gonna not try, <laughs> do or do not. Um, but it, it, yeah, it'll it'll be it, it'll really come down to whether I want to do the pistol or the shotgun first. It'll yeah. be the, if it's the pistol first, I'll stay tack ops this year. Um, if it's not the pistol first, then I'm just gonna jump into the deep end of the pool um, and run a non-open pistol um, in three gun and practice a lot with it so I can slay. Yeah, you you still be good with a pistol. I think that shotgun would make a huge difference loading wise and time wise. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be huge. Um, and then the other thing that I'm going to do is um, really um, long range rifle has been um, has definitely been a weakness of mine. Um, anything inside of 200 yards is a no brainer um, in local match stuff we're doing just for fun because we can because it doesn't matter um we're doing offhand 100 yard shots all the time awesome yeah uh, which is which is super great practice you hardly ever see anybody in a in a match do that in a major match even though you should mm -hmm. because you can <laughs> but we always get nervous we're like no i can brace on um but um getting much better with my rifle um uh, past 200 yards is is one of my major things because i i look at my times versus other ladies that i know that i shoot nearly as well as and the ones that were long range yeah. i'm always several um several spaces down from there yeah. um so so now that i've learned how to how to build them well i'm definitely going to be taking some some classes to just understand it a little bit better um, I got some really great advice um, this season, just as far as some of the holdovers and some stuff that I don't know how I haven't learned until now. Like there's every once in a while you get those pearls of wisdom. You're like, yeah. why didn't anybody ever tell me this? Um, so I, so now I know some of that stuff. And so integrating those things, but also learning from, you know, people that are really good at doing this um, and, and getting on target and getting the shot off quicker that's that's my biggest thing like i can get down into position um, but actually getting the good stable position and getting the shot off and knowing exactly where it's at on my reticle that's that's my biggest weakness at this point i'm telling you what that interim 22 and prs actually really does make a difference um that's what i've heard i shot nrl 22 two months ago um and i was working on positions because that was my struggle is I didn't understand you needed like so many points of contact, like as many as you can possibly get. Right. And mm -hmm. um, the very next match, um, what was it? Great Lakes three guns. So like three, four weeks ago, I hit the 630 yard target in a match in three gun. I'm like, 
And that was my thing is I don't do long range. I don't really understand a lot of that. So that shocked me. I was like, well, wow. And then I watched my video on another one. It was 100, 200, 300, 400. And I went one for one, one for one. But it was because I literally had every single thing braced up on this vehicle where I wasn't moving. And I'm like, now I understand position matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I both. Rifle is uh, not my fave. <laughs> I, I love shooting it. Um, and I want to, I want to get better at it. It's, it's actually been a really point of, of frustration for me uh, because my, my guns do run really, really well. Um, and they just don't break. And they just, uh, part of that is because I'm kind of meticulous about maintenance, but, um, they don't, don't tend to break. So I really would like to be able to do it better. Yeah. I like this um, because I don't, I don't like walking into any situation that in a, in a three gun match to go ah shit of or, yeah or like dang it yeah yeah um and and i have that feeling like i want to be able to go walk in and go okay i need this this and this let's do this yeah um and not be like which right now is probably as much a problem as anything else Mental. so yep yeah have fun that's what i've learned um the matches i don't but, well, it's I true. Understand it, but like with i'm doing the same thing i kind of decided to dive into PCC and I figured that was good cross training. I haven't given a shit about PCC because I don't shoot PCC. I'm like five or six matches in. And then every single time I go, I'm like winning things. I was like, Hmm. So you need to not care, have fun and just send it. I'm like, Oh, why can't I do that? And everything else. <laughs> my, my not caring about PCC came last year at the Wyoming governor's cup. Um, I didn't have a, an optic on my PCC. Like I just built it. No, nothing. No irons. Nothing. I function tested it. That was it. (laughs) Took it to a match. Took an optic to the match. And I'm like, I can't actually see my laser bore sighter on this target out here. So I ended up laser bore sighting it off the side of my Jeep and then competing for three days with it. Oh yeah. And it worked well. with a gun that I had never competed with before and only really shot like eight times to make sure it worked. Oh my gosh. And not, not, well, pulled the trigger eight times. I shot it like one time before that. Oh my gosh. Hey, it's fun though, right? <laughs> Why not? So much, so much fun. Like people can make fun of PC all they want. And until I put one in your hand, you're just going to be giggling the whole time. And then you're going to come away and be like, stupid PC dude. Yep. <laughs> Yep. So, so often, one of my guy friends is like, now, like, damn it. Now I get it. <laughs> like, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. And they're fun. Like the, this one, this one weighs just shy of five pounds. It looks so light. I was wondering, is that the tack on? The barrel is only as long. Yeah. It's a, fi- a five and a half inch barrel. But it's got a shroud on it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tack on upper um, and quarter circle to end lower that yeah. I just put together so the heaviest um, is probably the bolt carrier group and the optic <laughs> like if that. yeah <laughs> yeah um certainly nothing else um but my my other pcc is the one that i compete with and it basically is an orange version of this with that optic on it cool why orange what happened i didn't have orange oh okay <laughs> I was going to say, we haven't gotten it uh, to purple yet. <laughs> no, that one, that one will stay the way it is. I like it. I like it. 
because um, there's there's all kinds of different colors. There is too much of a good too much of a good thing. That's true. That's true. My um PC is a hodgepodge of whatever I had around. So it's red, it's blue, it's black, it's whatever. <laughs> it works. I like it. There you go. That's what matters. So for for you, like a new discipline or a new division, like you said, you might try open. Uh, do you think you're going to try any of those other sports to like cross train in the future? Um, I certainly, I'm, I, I'm definitely want to get into doing some PCC, um, USPS, USPSA, PCC. I had had half a mind to try to train for PCC Nats this year. Um, and, you know, because of some of that family stuff sort of put the brakes on that, but it still hasn't extinguished that fire. I'm like, I, I feel like I want to go slay with a PCC. So um, that's part of, you know, part of the working out goal um, is to just be able to move very, very quickly. Um, and then making sure that I'm, I'm able to hold that, hold that, that weapon system in my hand as long as I need to. Um, so I want to be comfortable holding that thing up for 10 minutes straight. Ooh, like I want that to be an easy thing. Yeah, because yeah, I, cause I have, have these um, they're just lead ingots. And so I'll put two Picatinny rails on the end and put it on the underside of the end of my rifle and just hold it. Just hold it in position. I think about that. That's like, duh. Um, but that was one of the things that um, I've taken a couple of classes from from Lanny Barnes, um, which were invaluable. And one was simply just doing rifle holds. Okay. Because when you're doing that, eventually you'll get into this whole thing to where you're doing a figure eight because you can't hold it anymore. That's when you know you need to stop, take a break, okay. then come back to it again. Um, but doing those rifle holds, those exercise all of the micro muscles that help you hold the gun steady when you're uh, when you're presenting it out. And so doing those holds is a good exercise. Um, same thing with the pistol, same thing with the shotgun. Um, so doing those holds, getting it on a, a small dot, like you can even do it on your light switch. Like you hold, hold the reticle on the light switch for as long as you can until it starts moving around. And then you still hold it as tight as you can you want to start moving and then when you can't control it anymore stop give yourself a couple minutes rest come back to it do it again brilliant and lanny people don't, some people probably don't know who she is uh, olympian badass and she's had everything really come together i think in the past couple of years like she crushed two gun two gun was yes she absolutely dominated that competition that was cool to watch and she is one of the kindest most down-to-earth people i have ever met in my life i mean she's got every reason in the world to have you know, to kind of have a, you know, big head and doesn't. she just, do, she doesn't at all. Um, she, <laughs> oh yeah. And, and if it's, if it's your first major and you can squad with Lanny, do it. Um, even if you can't squad with Lanny, if you're on opposite schedules or whatever, go find her squad and just watch. Yeah. Um, if you can find her and you're walking stages, it's going to help so much to just learn how someone else looks at a stage. Um, I, I trained at her at her house and I looked like I had all the time in the world, right? To look at a stage that we had set up. And she's like, how would you do this? 
And I was like, good 10 minutes of stare time. And I look at it, I said, okay, I do this. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, how would you do it? She's like, this. And she cut out a, a complete movement. And I was like, wait, but it, I didn't see that. Um, and it was just a different way of looking at it. And so it's starting to tweak how you look at um, at the geometry of things and um, thinking about thinking about it from above and below or and in front of the course. How does that look and where you have to go and reimagining that? But yeah, Lanny is super good at um, at doing that. And man, we shot a lot of rounds. So cool. We shot a lot of rounds. <laughs> And like her, her stunts, I love her Instagram disclaimer. Please don't try this at home. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried not. to stand, I tried to stand on the exercise ball one day. Mm -hmm. mm. Not end well. <laughs> and I thought about doing the snow oh. shovel clay launch, but I'm like, I'm just going to whack myself in the back of the head. True. <laughs> I would do that. <laughs> I might, I might try it. We'll see. I like it. So, um. Wrapping this up too, uh, are there any other final thoughts you want to leave uh, listeners with? Maybe, you know, any recommended books, reading, classes, um, anything that they can just absorb to get started? Um, I think Kitabus, uh, her, her movement book is a great, great book. Um, I have two long range books that are sitting there waiting for me to make some time to read them. Um, so I can't vouch for those ones. Um, Joe Farewell is an excellent three-gun instructor. Um, if you're in the Arizona area, so is, um, so is Ursula Williams. She's, she's killer at it. Um, just, you better not have thin skin. Um, love you, girl. Uh, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. Just, trying, trying to make, just trying to make sure you have a good time. Yeah. Um, and you know, Lanny's another instructor that, that's really great. I mean, there's there's lots of JJ Rakaza, lo lots of other really really great instructors out there. Um, it, you actually took a, a a class recently from somebody that I've been wanting to take a class from, um, Travis Tomasi, um, which I've kind of been looking at that DS9 also. Wait, he didn't have the the new one with him. I got to shoot his minor gun it was it was nice my atlas is a lot heavier than his though uh because he has the aluminum grip i mean he outshoots me so there's no <laughs> doesn't matter right <laughs> but yeah that's a cool gun yeah i'm pretty sure that he could outshoot me with an lcp with a glock two. With a, you know six yeah. round capacity gun with his reload yeah <laughs> yeah like a like a glock 43 you yep. probably kick my ass yep <laughs> it's insane some classes, yeah. Read books, I like those. Um, and then I think just just get out there. I know it's intimidating, um, and you feel like you need to go out there and you need to bring your A game or whatever else, and you so don't, and you so better not, um, because your A game. I I don't know about you. I have yet to find my A game, um, and th this is my fourth season, um, or coming up on the end of my fourth season, um. Not there yet. Um, not even close. No. Nope. Bring, bring, bring a pistol. Bring a belt. Bring three magazines. And right now, ammo because nobody's going to give you ammo. Um, and get to the range and 
and sign up for a three gun match. Uh, tell them you're brand new. Tell them you have a pistol, a holster and three magazines and a belt. And that's all you're gonna need because in 15 minutes, we will have scrounged up enough stuff that you'll be able to shoot. Uh, when I go and anytime I can drive to any competition, whether it's a local or, or a major, I have two complete sets of guns. Yep, same, same, which is another why, reason I hate hotels, but you know, $30,000 right there, you know. Yeah, it's, it's fine, totally fine. Um, but just get, get out there, ask tons of questions. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I, that I tell everyone that's new in the range is to come out and do two things, be safe and have fun. Yep. You're not gonna be good. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't care if you're a cop, you're not gonna be good. Yep. Um, you're a SWAT officer, probably better than most, but probably still not good. Um, it, this is a totally different game that no one ever really plays in. And so, you know, go out, leave your pride at home for the day. It could use a rest anyhow. Um, and go out and just have some fun and shoot with some people that do something totally new and that you're going to get instantly hooked on. Um, just know that you're going to get instantly hooked on it. It's going to cost you a lot. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And it'll be our fault. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You can blame me all you want. You're gonna have the time of your life. Be like, people blame me for stuff all the time. They're like it's Courtney's fault. I'm like, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. My uh, my favorite thing about three gun too is like it levels the playing field. Like I, watching two gun shooters, like amazing pistol shooters, they struggled a little bit on the rifle, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, you've got these snipers. Say a sniper comes out, well they're gonna crush rifle. It might be humbling to shoot a pistol. <laughs> like, and and I've seen snipers go out and flail yeah. on long range because you're shooting a different optic than what they're used to you know they're they're used to shooting something you know thousand yards thousand yards and they're using a mill a mill reticle and then all of a sudden they're into a bdc maybe and they're like <laughs> and just completely and completely choke so it doesn't matter who you are you got something to learn absolutely love it well uh Courtney, how can people find you online on social media and reach out to you. Um, I am Mile High Gun Girl on in the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Um, if it's on the Facebook, send me a message because I took that off my phone because it just made me mad every day when I looked at it. Um, I check Instagram much more often, uh, but I I will get the message if you if you send me a message. Uh, but yeah, it's just Mile High Gun Girl, all one word. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing the three gun love. Um, I just, I loved having you on this podcast. Well, thank you. I, I love it too. It's a lot of fun. And we're going to have to like decide on a match and go shoot a match together because we didn't get to do that this year. No, I think 2022 is going to be our year. We're going to figure out our schedule <laughs> early on. Figure out our, our schedule and just start at least taking notes on shenanigans. Even if we put them in a jar and just be like, this is the shenanigan for tonight. <laughs> I like that idea. Awesome. And um, yeah, go follow her on social media. Great ambassador. Um, and again, social media is a great place to connect with people. You'd be surprised how many people actually respond to your message. So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, I respond to all my messages. So except for the ones that have your junk pictured in them. Um, and then we're probably not gonna be friends. I can't. Yeah, that's true. The creepy ones. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. I mean, I answered those ones too, but it's not the same. No. no. Um, 
but yeah come out and especially ladies don't be don't be intimidated there's there's those of us out here that are doing it and so come and have fun and let's shut the boys up oh yeah <laughs> i think a lot of females they get surprised when they're not last and they're not bad yeah no um, i know a lot of women that are much better shooters than their male, male counterparts start starting out yeah um, just out of the gate they're a lot better because hey they listen um and two um lots of they're just better more of a steady hand yep i love it thank you yeah. thanks for uh coming on and uh stay tuned for the next uh episode of the radical up podcast thanks for listening to the radical up podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube follow along on social media at radical up or three gun kenzie